This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. After Princess Diana married Prince Charles several decades ago, the weddings of her two sons drew global attention. Most recent of the two, Prince Harry, to American Me- uh, actress Meghan Markle, was an incredible event at Windsor Palace and is the case usually with these types of events. The possibility of some change or influence of the wedding industry is a distinct one. We look at this with Esther Lee, who's a senior news editor with The Knot, which is uh, a wedding planning website. Jennifer Spector is director of brand marketing for Zola, a company that does wedding planning and bridal registry as well. They both join me on the phone right now. Esther, Jennifer, great to have you with us. Thank you, Dan. Great to be here. Yeah, same. Very excited. Thank you. And and with us in studio is a friend of the show, Ludovico Cesario, who is currently finishing her postdoctoral fellowship in marketing here at the Wharton School, soon to be an assistant professor of marketing at Lehigh University. But also, and this is <laughs> this is the key ingredient why we bring her in here, she is a bride-to-be, which we Indeed. found out the other day, getting married in all places Rome. So you're having your own royal wedding yes. coming up in a couple my of weeks. Own, my very own royal wedding in a few weeks. That Thank you. Well, great. To, congratulations. <laughs> and great you. to have you with us. Great to be here. So Esther and Jennifer, I'll start with both of you. And let's speak this from a general perspective. What influence do you think there there is from these types of events? Esther, I'll start with you. So much, in fact, um, Dan, because we're seeing um, an event of global scale, um, something that was spectated by, you know, not only 24 million eyeballs in the United States, but um, so many more around the world. And because they're at the forefront of um, just, you know, spectators and this fanfare worldwide, um, we will see many trends come from this royal wedding, which is why the not even compiled its own trends report. Um, we saw that there was backs to basics cakes, greenery, all types of um, traditional elements that were personalized, which is a big thing that we're seeing with this generation. So Meghan and Harry really hit, um, really hit the nail on the head when it came to our audience, and we're seeing it go forward from there. Jennifer? Yeah, I think a few things. The wedding is definitely a reflection of couples today. So 40% of couples get married outside of their um, own background, whether it's race or religion. And so I think you really saw that with the wedding, how Meghan brought in her traditions. Obviously, Harry has his, you know, royal tradition. So I think that was really cool to see. And then I think just the simplicity of the wedding. Obviously, it was a royal wedding. So, you know, the budget is bigger than most couples. <laughs> but, um, you know, as Esther said, the greenery, the simplicity of the cake. I think Megan's dress is very simple. We continue to see sleeves as a big bridal trend. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway was really just how they personalized it and how they made it their own. I think Megan walking down the aisle kind of solo and then Prince Charles kind of guiding her the rest of the way. That was something that I think we might see more people doing is having kind of non-traditional roles both walking down the aisle as well as in the bridal party. So I'm excited to see how the trends play out now. So, Ludovica, was there anything that you saw mm-hmm. in the royal wedding yeah. that you liked to the point where <laughs> you have wanted to, to do this in your wedding coming up? Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, you know, weddings take a long time to plan. Yeah. And so with mine being only a month away, um, only a few things can actually be implemented in this short amount of time. Yeah. And so 
um, you know, and I'll follow up on that just to know if I, if the, uh, Jennifer and Esther think that these trends from the royal wedding, we will actually see more next year than this year because of the time it takes to plan. But there are a few things that I myself um, want to take from the royal wedding. Definitely the simplicity aspect of it. Right. Uh, if you think of her bouquet, um, it was very simple flowers. She had forget-me-nots, uh, which were Diana's favorite flower. So I think I will definitely steal that from her, the idea of a very simple white uh, very pale colored uh, yeah. wedding. But I will say I'm more of a traditional bride when it comes to the dress. Uh, her dress was beautiful. It was very simple. It was Givenchy. Um, I want more of the princessy dress, right. um, even though I am a millennial bride. Uh, and then, as I think is the trend, I might change into something later, as she did, to dance and just have fun. Well, Jennifer, I'll play off of the, the, the thing that Ludovica just said. Uh, will th- how long do some of these changes actually take? As, as she said, well, will you see it more in the next few months than ne- not necessarily right now in the next couple of months? Yeah, I think it depends on what aspect of what trend you want to incorporate. So we know that actually, even though most people traditionally think of wedding season as the summer, um, and obviously you're getting married very soon, most the biggest wedding months are actually in September and October. So there is time for couples to make a few changes. Um, and it depends on the, the vendor, you know. So, for example, probably can't make a change to your wedding dress right now, but you could talk to your florist about incorporating more greenery or making a more scaled-down bouquet. So yeah. I definitely think for next year, I agree that we'll see bigger impact, especially because people will be selecting their vendors later in the year and so they might have different you know pictures and and inspiration to pull from the royal wedding that then it will help select who they choose to to make their big day Esther. So um, what we noticed with Harry and Meghan was, um, first and foremost, what I thought was interesting was Meghan discovered her photographer on Instagram, um, according to Alexi, um, who shot her wedding photos and her engagement photos as well. That's where she um, found them in the first place. And so we're seeing an increase in an uptick in couples who are sourcing um, their vendors on social media and then online driven vendor discoveries that are including like marketplaces like we have on The Knot and some other places as well. Um, I think that what we're, what else we're seeing is that um, Harry and Meghan had a very charitable and sustainable component to their wedding, and they put so much thought into knowing that there's so many eyeballs from around the world, you know, witnessing um, their big day. They really put so much thought into just even the aspects, like including their charity. Um, they went the route with charity registry. They went the route with what William and Kate had done, and they had their own charity registry, um, which we're seeing an uptick with um, normal couples as well in the United States. Um, one in 10 U.S. couples actually incorporate charity gifting into their registries. Yeah. So that's a really, that was a fascinating kind of um, way to, for the couple to spotlight their, their humanitarian, you know, you know, causes and their hearts. Um, I would say along with that, I do agree that with the, the simplicity of the flowers, um, the swap in the dress, these are trends that have been um, ongoing. But I think that Megan really helps solidify that with good taste because that's just who she is. She's very simple. Um, she's thoughtful. And at the same time, even the bouquet itself included um, a few flowers that Harry had handpicked from the garden, which I thought was so sentimental and sweet. So we, we're, we are going to see more of that as well, meaningful bouquets, um, just a lot of storytelling behind each and every single element of the wedding. So following up on this idea that this you know younger millennial consumer is 
uh, pays much more attention to sustainability and social causes. Uh, we also know that you know younger consumers also really care about experiential consumption much more. And so to them, the wedding um, is not just the ceremony itself, but it's also an experience that they want to give to their guests. How are the companies catering to this new need that consumers have, whether it's through destination weddings uh, or even, you know, gift registries like Zola that has the possibility to gift experiences? How do you see this shift in the industry? Jennifer, start with you. Sure. So I think that's absolutely right. We do see that millennials care much more about experiences both on the wedding day and then when they're thinking about the registry and kind of their lives together as newlyweds. So on the wedding day, I think how that manifests is that the number of guests is actually going down while the cost per wedding is going up slightly. Um, and so I think that just means that people are investing more in certain things, whether it's a photo booth or a band that's maybe 12 pieces instead of eight pieces, things like this that kind of really... Um, elevate the actual day. And then as far as registry, we do see that couples love to register for experiences. So on Sola, one of our most popular experiences is actually Airbnb. So you can register for, you know, a vacation. You can also register for Delta or Southwest Airlines and Hotels.com. So travel is really huge. Um, but what we are seeing is that the experiences, more people are adding to this category on their registry, but they also still really want traditional gifts. Mm -hmm. So things for, you know, bed and bath or the KitchenAid mixer is always our, our number one registered for items. <laughs> so I think millennials are expanding what they want, but they're not necessarily cutting things out. Um, and we see that oftentimes um, on Zola after your wedding, you can get a you know twenty percent off for the next six months on various things, mm -hmm. and so we do see that people are adding more experiences there as well, so that they can take a cooking class together or um, you know a wine of the month club, things like that that really bring the couple together post wedding. The the, the KitchenAid mixer still has some staying power, huh? It really does. I think that's an enduring classic item that people want in their kitchen. It's something yeah. that generations have always gifted to one another. So I think it still has a lot of meaning for people. Yeah. Um, it is on my Zola registry, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> Esther, your thoughts? Um, yeah, actually, I do it. I totally agree that um, experiential millennials are catering more in that in that regard. Um, a lot of the weddings I've even personally attended this past year and this past season had some very unique, um, you know, entertainment elements. For example, my best friend got married in January in Philly, actually, um, along the piazza, and she ended up having um, a brass band, a percussion band, from follow us from the reception all the way into the after party mm -hmm. um, where she had the brass band then set up and she had like food and entertainment and drinks for all the people who wanted to stay out for the rest of the night. So we went through the streets of Philly with this brass band and they played some old school nineties mm. hits and it was wow. awesome. And everyone still talks about it to this day <laughs> um, and they will for, you know, many years to come. Um, I think from our trends report, we've seen that, um, you know, while traditional retail registries are definitely the popular choice for most of American couples. 84% um, of couples, um, and this is a statistic from our um, from one of our from our, one of our studies, is that we are create. There are a lot of couples are creating registries um, with some of their favorite retailers. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so we're seeing an uptick in that regard as well. One of the and one thing I wanted to add about experiential is that 
Um, that actually does filter down even to wedding favors. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for example, some some couples these days are including rather than having you know a traditional little I don't know like match a little a little thing of matches that are personalized or a towel, they're instead treating their guests to a lipstick touch-up bar. Um, you know, the the cover band is a great <laughs> one, a specialty sip station. So mm-hmm. things that are very thoughtful and personalized. I, I have a friend who created, um, you know, an espresso bar because the couple yeah. cared so much about coffee mm-hmm. and just where it's ethically, you know, how it's sourced, um, you know, the taste. the And it was just really well done overall. So, you know, it's what we're being exposed to as well on a daily basis. We are joined uh, on the phone by uh, Esther Lee, Senior News Editor for The Knot, Jennifer Spector, Director of Brand Marketing for Zola. Your comments, if you would like to join in at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Ludovica? Let me ask one more question uh, to both uh, Esther and Jennifer about millennials. How do you think they're reinterpreting the old wedding customs, right? I keep hearing, you know, the something old, something blue, something borrowed, something new. Is that something that you see millennial brides are still doing, or is that sort of on the way out? Esther? Uh, Actually, I think it's still in very much, Um, and it's because there is this idea and concept of, again, thoughtfulness and wanting to honor people, um, whether they're family members or friends. And so I think that, you know, the way Megan did it was very tasteful. Um, you know, even with Diana's blue ring, mm-hmm. um, we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing that there's a lot of sentimental um, thought and, you know, craftedness around, you know, picking out these different elements. I will say other things, though. For example, other traditional parts of the wedding, while it's up to the couple if they want to continue with it, the garter toss, not seeing that as much these days. I haven't been to a mm-hmm. wedding where they've done that. Um, yeah. now in several years and I've been believe me I've been in a lot of weddings this past <laughs> season so yeah it's we're seeing that you know millennials are reinterpreting it um, because they are thinking about again each and every single aspect and what that means for their guests and what that means to them as a couple and their story Jennifer yeah I totally agree one example I'll use from my own wedding where I actually was married in Philadelphia a little over two years ago so um I'm Jewish, and we got married, and traditionally there are seven blessings in a Jewish ceremony. There are kind of seven blessings for a happy marriage, and my cousin, who's a little bit older than me, ended up picking seven readings that were kind of the pillars that she thought in her own marriage. So my husband and I really loved that, and we interpreted that tradition, Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, we had readings about food because we love to eat or travel or things like that. And of the people that were at our wedding, I then went to two subsequent weddings, both Catholic, who did the same thing. And so I think there's not only the opportunity for people to incorporate, you know, longstanding kind of popular American traditions, but also look to other cultures and pull in what they like there um, and and interpret it that way. So I, I think it just goes back to personalization and, you know, today couples are, you know, 80% of couples live together before they get married. They really know who they are. I think for many people, the wedding is not necessarily the start of something, but it's kind of the completion of one chapter of their relationship. And so they want to make it reflect who they are as a couple as much as possible while still bringing in traditions that are meaningful to them. 
So you were saying, um, you know, a lot of the couples live together before they get married. I was reading some reports that actually say, you know, in 1960, 72% of all U.S. adults were married, but today only 51%. So clearly weddings and getting married has been decreasing over time. You know, people go back to grad school. Some just don't want to get married. They just live together and have children. Um, have you seen that affect the industry? And if so, how? Esther? I Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jennifer. Oh, I was just going to say really quickly that I think that um, the age at which people is getting married is later. Um, there was actually just an article in the New York Times kind of referencing the idea of a capstone marriage. So something that happens, like I said, sort of at the end of this time period when both people in the relationship have kind of established their careers, mm-hmm. off their student loans, things like that. But we still do see about 2 million people in the U.S. get married every year. So I think that um, marriage and weddings continue to play a really big role in people's lives. We're just seeing it a little bit later. And because it's later, I think that's changing things in the industry. So it's just older people who know more what they want mm-hmm. um, when they get married. Which I guess to a degree, Esther, ends up being a very good thing because you're talking about people being more prepared for life in general in comparison to just jumping in, which may have been the case, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually thinking this through. They're being more thoughtful in the entire process. Esther? Could I, uh, hello? Yep, go yeah. ahead. To that point, I just wanted to add that we, um, we're we seeing a, a shift in culture, right? We're seeing more women in the workplace who are, um, you know, really invested in their careers and focused on um, just, you know, just really pursuing their passion and their dreams. And um, so, we, yes, we are seeing a shift in terms of um, age, average age of, you know, a bride and groom when they get married um, or couples in general. But we also, I think it's a timeline situation where, um, we are seeing a preparedness, and millennials, as much flack that you know millennials receive for different types of reasons, I will say this: um, they're, they they know how to prioritize. I think is the idea right now, and um, they really just want to build a good life and to make sure that their partner is um, the person who's going to help and continue to propel that. Um, and you know whether it's supporting the career, whether it's supporting, um, you know, financing a new home or any of these long-term goals. Um, you know, this generation is uh, very aware, hopefully much more, um, of who they're marrying and um, just making sure that they're finding the right fit. So I, I hope to see, you know, different types of rates decline. Um, we're very focused on marriage here at The Knot as well. Um, we have a new app called Lasting, and we're invested in hoping that couples um, – you know, just really want to um, lift each other up with healthy marriages, with communication. So we as a company are also very focused on that as well. How much, do, for both of you, and I'll start with Esther, how much do you think that, that here in the United States, weddings have changed even in the last decade or so? And I say that because if you go back a decade, obviously we were going through the recession. A lot of people were dealing with with quite different financial circumstances than they may be dealing with now with the with the economy recovering. Esther? Um, you know, it, yes, we do see trends um, and different changes happen with um, economic, um, you know, adjustments. But for the most part, weddings are stable um, because, you know, people, um, weddings will always be around. And so, you know, the average cost, though, we see slight nuanced differences year out, year over year for a real wedding study. Um, for example, this past year, it was $33,391 um, down slightly from the previous year. But then we see um, within those figures and the statistics, um, 
you know, maybe the number the number of guests, it might be growing or getting smaller based on just how society is viewing weddings in general. So those numbers, though they are statistics as top line, like we when we when you really unpack them and see where the where those metrics are going in, like, for example, the spend per guest is up. So that's hmm. that's you know that really just shows you that generationally I think that yes people are viewing weddings differently and that there is a transition um, but overall you know weddings are a celebration and throughout history they always have been and we see that throughout different cultures you know there's there's that language of weddings and just wanting it to be a party that's um, you know loving and welcoming and you know full of just um, balloons and cheer Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer. Yeah, I, I agree with Esther. I think, you know, we continue to see this as a strong moment in people's lives. And so I think although there might be slight changes year over year, when you look back decades over decades, things do pretty much remain consistent. People are still walking down the aisle and still coming to cake. And, you know, I think there is something to be said for celebrating a tradition. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in. Joined by Esther uh, Esther Lee of The uh, the Knot, Jennifer Spector of Zola. Ludovica, one more question. Yeah, so I guess as a bride-to-be, you know, my wedding is about a month away. Uh, do you have any words, final words of wisdom of, you know, what I should definitely include in my very own Italian royal wedding? Oh, yes. my goodness. Oh, I, I know, I'm so excited for you, Ludovic. I actually wanted to ask you where you're getting married and, um, you know, how many guests you're going to have. And I know it's now a month away. Yeah, so I'm getting married in Rome, uh, Italy, which is where I'm from. Uh, my fiancé is American. Uh, we have about 160 guests coming, uh, a lot of them from the States. So it's going to be a multicultural wedding, I will say. Um, we're getting married in church in Rome. I, I, first of all, I love Rome. I've lived there briefly. <laughs> um, and I will say this. Make sure that your guests, um, because these people are traveling far for you, and they, they maybe give them an immersive experience um, mm-hmm. as you have the wedding week, you know, um, whether it's, um, you know, taking them down to Capri for a day or for a couple of days or, you know, giving them like a really good itinerary for more uh, for Rome that is um, very heartfelt for you. Um, it, you show them aspects of you and what you loved most about the city and how they can get acclimated as well. You know, the best right. gelato they can find in Trastevere. Yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite spot for gelato for sure. Um, yeah, just really personalize it and make sure that your guests feel like they're welcomed. And whether it's a lavish party that's like a, a white party that a lot of couples were seeing do or some sort of cruise or something that's really fun, a boat ride or um, a, a uh, local tasting. I've, I've, I've heard a rumor that Ludovica is going to get a, a personal <laughs> appearance with the pope for all of her guests yes that would be that would be that would be the way to go esther jennifer thank you both for your time today greatly appreciate your uh, your input thank you thank you both bye all the best to you Ludovica. enjoy your wedding and we'll we'll sag us the next time we'll see you you will be married (laughs) Married. at that point great great having you here Ludovica. thank you for more insight from knowledge at wharton please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu Thank you.